Hello, Danse. I'm Pearl Gambler, a Cree Indigenous woman from the Dixon Cree Nation Reserve. You are listening to the Wakutuan Podcast. Today's episode is called Promoting Wakutuan Indigenous Women and Drum. Hi, hi. A Cree natural law, the concept of Wakutuan is the fundamental principles of family, respect, and accountability to ourselves, families, communities, and non-human entities with whom we share the land. Wakutuan highlights the significance of relationships and connectedness in Indigenous traditional ways of living, recognizing that every member of a community holds certain roles and responsibilities. This podcast seeks to explore the relationship between Indigenous women and the drum. With such diversity and culture among communities, the relationships and protocols surrounding women and the drum are equally varied. Through meaningful discussion, this podcast will question the impact of colonial patriarchy on Indigenous women and the drum, the variation in protocol and impact of sacred laws and customs on Indigenous women and the drum, and the role of drum and practice of drumming in the promotion of Okotwin. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. So before we start our discussion today, let's just take a quick second to introduce ourselves. My name's Laura McQuillan. Charlene Gambler. Stephanie Alexis. And we're really excited to be gathered for this important discussion today. So I'll start things off with you, Charlene. Drum and song have been enmeshed in many Indigenous cultures prior to colonial contact. Indigenous laws and protocols have been influenced since encroachment of settlers. Do you feel that the patriarchy has had an influence on why women in some First Nation cultures are not allowed to hit the drum? I would have to say yes, that there is some influence but um, this is a new this is a new new perspective for myself because I never really thought of thought of it that this way mm-hmm. for like this whole time like I've been around the drum for the last ten years of my life but <clears throat> because of the heavy influence of how elders you know say that women are not allowed to hit the drum which is why I didn't for like the last seven years I've only been hitting the drum for the last three years. So I would, and then, you know, I, I kept questioning, like, why? Why is this, why can't women hit the drum and all of this stuff? And then it was actually a, a friend from, I used to go to school with her back at the UBA the last time I was here 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And she was the one that actually mentioned that. Because, you know, I, I always discuss it with, with my uh, with my friends from back home and stuff. And and uh, she was the one that brought that up. And, and, it, and it really kind of just planted a seed. It was like, wow. Yeah, that's right. You know, like it it made sense to me at the time. It's it's funny that I didn't clue it in right away, but I, I do feel that there is some influence in there for sure. Right on. Stephanie? Um, I don't think there's um colonial influence necessary on our protocols, the the ceremonial ones. Um only because I was told a story by my grandfather that even though he did go to residential school uh, when they came back, he still had to speak the language. He still had to follow the customs, the culture. There was a lot of ceremony taking place, even regardless of, you know, the government sending letters and trying to stop all the ceremonies from happening. It still happened. It was done in secret, and that's how it was maintained, so that colonial influence didn't really... I don't think it really affected our, you know, sacred laws or protocols. Mm-hmm. Um, I think over time, residential school 
you know, the impacts of it, the social structure, the breaking of down of family and the roles, I think that has more impact of, you know, this gender issue. For this second question, we'll, we'll start with you, Stephanie. When we look at protocol, we recognize that it's a sacred law or a customary way of doing things. Why do you think elders frown upon changing drum protocol? Why is the drum so secret that women aren't allowed to hit it? Well, I think elders frown upon it because they want to keep it sacred. And when you look at the drum in a cultural setting, where is the drum in these cultural spaces? Well, definitely in ceremony, there you bring the drum into the sweat lodge. And, you know, tribes have different practices. In, in my tribe, you know, women are allowed to go into a sweat because the sweat is a healing, a place of healing. And in our, in our culture, in our community today, in this time of century, we need a lot of healing. So I think uh, elders have opened up that space for women for healing. So the drum... Even when we go into the sweat, women don't take the drum. It's the men that take it. And when you look at the drum where it's also in the, the social settings, the powwows, the round dances. Powwow and round dance are really big influences for a, like a sobriety, a way of life, a celebration of life. And I don't know why in those spaces... Um, if you observe it, women aren't allowed to hit the drum there either. It's not saying that some women don't, because in my experience, even I've hit the drum at the powwow. And, uh, and I recognize that sacredness there, and uh, it is frowned upon it. And elders, they will tell you, you women aren't allowed to hit the drum. Well, how do, how do I explain my grandfather gave me a drum? Hmm. You know, when I was a young lady, and he told me to sing to my children in my home. He knew that we needed it for healing. He knew that it would bring us peace. So um, I think about that. Hmm. And uh, I, when he left, I really drew back and I didn't go into those public spaces anymore. So in ceremony, especially when you look at the Sundance Lodge, the men are the ones that hold those places. It's not saying women don't have a space there. Hmm. Women are also part of that whole lodge. Yeah. They have a role in there. So we just don't hit the drum. So if you're growing up and you observe this, you know why the elders want to keep it like that because it's a normal practice. And the men are warriors. They have to protect the tribe. They, you know, they bring a lot of that um, comfort to women. So um, drumming is just, you know, part of that sacredness. Interesting. Charlene, do you have something to add? Well, like going back to the question of why do you think elders frown upon? Mm-hmm apparently you know like with a woman drumming like I understand that I have been approached by an elder before but th I wasn't even hitting the drum yet I was just um because I was the youth worker for Big Stone at the time then I had a drum group and I was trying to get the youth to to use that big drum I had someone make me you know one of those power drums and I was <clears throat> there like being the only youth worker that was the only reason why they allowed me to be the drum keeper at the time, even though, you know, that's not the usual role of a woman. I was pulled aside and explained that usually we don't do this, but they did accept it because I was the only youth worker at the time. So, you know, we did this whole ceremony thing and it was really, really exhilarating, you know, to be standing there in this group singing and to honor me to carry this drummer to keep it. So, you know, I mean... The, like this drum 
is has been like a very personal I don't know how to say it. Like, I mean, it, it just kind of fell into my hands. Hmm. I didn't go searching for it. I didn't, you know, it just, I just happened to be um, asked to get into a group. Then that was like 10 years ago to, to make a drum. And it all just kind of started from there. And I did, I wouldn't hit the drum. I made drums and I was a drum keeper. And with the drums that I did make, I gave them away to my brothers because I knew I couldn't hit it. You know, so it's been a, a long time. It's been a long process for me. And I, I do realize that elders do frown upon it, which is why I don't do it so openly. You know, I've only like, I, yes, I practice with my family and that that is that's part of the healing. And that's for us, you know, and eventually I just had to because it kept I felt like it kept calling me and it was there all the time. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to do it like if something bad happens to me, I don't know, you know, like I'm just going to kind of tippy toe into it. So I just kept it quiet. We did it for our own selves. And yeah, it's been quite the journey. Right on. Well, thanks for sharing those perspectives. I think there's a lot of people out there who can probably relate to the words both of you are sharing. So thank you for sharing that. So if I, if I can just take a second to reflect um, on some of the, the stories and experience Charlene and Stephanie, you've shared. Um, as a non-Indigenous person, I think it's too easy um, to make assumptions about um, just about the colonial history and the impacts that it's had on Indigenous communities. And when you share that sacredness of the drum and the sacredness of ceremony and the fact that your people came together as warriors when, when government was saying, no, you can't do that, you came together and you protected your own practice and laws and you did it and you kept going and you made sure that it wasn't lost. And I think it's really easy to assume for someone who's not immersed in the community that women don't hit the drum because of the colonial patriarchal society. But hearing what you're sharing, it's it's your own ceremony in your own history and it's something that's been protected and I think it's important to take a moment and ask those questions and, and provide people with the opportunity and the space to just enlighten those of us who don't have that information who don't have elders who haven't been shared so so maybe just to, to wrap it all up um, a final thought that's come to my mind is uh, after listening to both of you share your connection with the drum and the song and really the significant and healing impact of the drum. I'm wondering uh, if the drum or practicing the drum plays a role in the promotion of Wakotwin. Stephanie, your thoughts? When I think about Wakotwin, I think about um, the ancestors from the past and how their voice, their vision, their prayers have been guiding us this whole time. And I think when I think about the drum, I think, well, you need a song. And for us, our our people, our way is in the song is prayer. That's what we're taught from the time we're little. So um, when you look at the social structure of our community and even the governance styles, you know, we have songs that will um, kind of direct the, our community. We have flag songs. We have leadership songs. We have birth songs. We have um, 
memorial songs, death songs, all these songs are social structures. They're part of our community, who we are. So that's Wakotuan. To me, that's just, you know, from one generation to the next, transitioning, you know, bringing all those um, histories and stories, ne- you know, through song. Mm. And the only way you know is to be present in those cultural spaces. And uh, a lot of communities practice this, and the ones that don't, they're finding a way to do it. And when I see women singing for other women, it really touches my spirit. I know that we're going to, you know, heal from this. I know the women are going to be called back to their home fire. I know they're going to start nurturing when I hear women singing the drum. That's what it makes me think about. Thank you for that, Stephanie. Um, you really, um, you really reminded me of the reason why, like, as soon as you mentioned, you know, like with a uh, woman drumming and, and it's all about the healing and healing other women. And that's the reality, like, you know, um, with me, like with my story, I mentioned that we, that I didn't touch the drum. I respected that for a very long time, but I felt this pull and I, and that's why we do it. That is why that we do it right now. And we have sung for a few people, like we're still, you know, tippy-toeing and everything. But when we do, even when we practice, we, we're always singing for others. We're always singing in prayer because to us, it is a prayer when we sing and and we want our people to heal. That's why we do it. You know, like it's, it's, it is a, a tough road like to follow in it. There's strict rules that come along with it and everything. And, but it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. You get a really, really uh, wonderful feeling when, when you're, uh, when you know you're doing it for the good, you know? And in regards to the Wakutu, and I, I would say like, um, like you had mentioned about, you know, our, the importance of teaching our youth and passing on these, these, uh, these traditions, these cultural things. And like for myself, you know, I, I wasn't raised up traditional. My dad was in a residential school, so there was no tradition in my family except with my grandmother, who was like the best grandmother ever. I was really close to her. And she did teach us about the teepee. She did teach us how to make a fire. She did teach us how to make bannock and all of these things. When I look back, she did her best with what she knew to try and teach me and my sister how to do these things. And we take that strength from her because she was a very strong woman. Like she was a very strong woman. And and I, to this day, I look up to her. And I think that's where I get a lot of my strength. Well, as and my from my mom, you know, like she is a very gentle, gentle gentlewoman and I do have aspects of that as well and you know now I have my own kids and getting into this drumming and you know learning about picking sage all of these beautiful beautiful things that we have to learn I am trying to incorporate that into my life so my kids can so I can you know they'll have that that knowledge to pass down I think that's what Wakutuin is is keeping our our cultural life. Thank you both so much for providing this insight and sharing these thoughts because a lot of people don't have access to people who are willing to share and I think these types of conversations and these spaces are what can move us as Indigenous and non-Indigenous people forward together. So thank you. Spirit of the Drum 
When you see a woman with a drum, be at peace. She is going through her healing journey. The drum guides her heart in the right direction. It teaches her how to pray. It teaches her how to be sacred. Her ancestors are strong. She is weak. She contemplates of putting it down, but the drum awakens her. She dreams of a time when her ancestors governed the lands with so many different songs. Her ancestors could count the stars with their songs. Her ancestors passed down two drums, a big drum and a little drum, echoing the words from generation to generation. This is the heartbeat of our nation. The spirit of the drum lifts her. It calls her. Her voice together with the drum cleanses her. This gives her healing. This gives her courage. This gives her hope and reminds her who she is and where she came from. And when her healing is done, she will know that the Creator has restored her. She will no longer need the drum to find her place. She will stand in God's sacred space and her voice will be her offering. And that will be enough. would like to acknowledge the following people. The introduction, Pearl Gambler of the Big Stone Cree Nation. The poem, Spirit of the Drum, by Stephanie Alexis of the Alexis Nakota Sioux Nation. Drum performance, Strong Woman Song by Heaven Gambler, Pearl Gambler, and Charlene Gambler of the Big Stone Cree Nation. The episode creators are Stephanie Alexis, Charlene Gambler, and Laura McClellan, with support from Robin House. The theme song, by Big Bear Drum Group, mixed by Louis Boucher. We would also like to thank the following people for the work contributing to the podcast through many other means. Our tech, visual, and web design team, Brandy Bowers, Jack Lawrence, Tyler Thomas, Robert Smallboy, and Eric Goodrum. We would also like to thank our support team, Amanda Robinhouse, Brooke Gus, Mark Aldershaw, and Justin Moore. This is the final episode of our Wakotwin podcast series. Thank you for joining us. We hope you enjoyed listening.